Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Blackbirds. It's Sarah, your host. Welcome back to Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. This is episode 42. And I know that it has been quite a while since we recorded an episode, but Dan and I both have been extremely busy, um, and Dan actually will not be joining me for this episode. Um, I'm not really sure how many episodes in the near future he will be joining me for. Um, I'm trying to just get a bunch out um, as I can. And since I am home more than Dan is, it's just easier for me to get them recorded um, when I have the free time to do so. So it's been incredibly hectic time <laughs> for me and Dan, but uh, we we did want to get back to recording again and bringing you more information and more cases and of course, just sharing the stories that need to be shared. So with that, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So all month long, I and or Dan <laughs> will be uh, bringing new cases that surround that specific topic. So some may involve um, domestic violence, some may involve um murder, but the central theme is going to be sexual assault, whether that be any particular case that just needs to be brought to the forefront that isn't really on the news that much, or something that needs to, you know, have some information provided for. So before we get into today's case, I do want to mention that our 50th episode is coming up very soon, as today's is already the 42nd. Um, so we we have, you know, maybe a few more weeks. I'm hoping to get 50 out by the end of April because it will be part of the Sexual Assault Awareness Month uh, theme. So I'm really going to try to plug away and just get 42 through 50 out within the next few weeks. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> Being that I am still busy, it is uh, coming up on the end of the semester and I still have uh, my LSAT to take, which is next week. So there's still a lot that I have to do aside from podcasting. But I really, again, this is such an important month. So I really want to try to get as many stories out as we can throughout the month of April. So we would really love to hear from our listeners and give our listeners a platform on our 50th episode. So if you would like to contribute to our 50th episode, please send us a roughly 10 second audio recording telling us who you are and why you are an advocate. It can be any reason but we want to know what makes you want to advocate for victims and survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Please send that audio recording to blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com and we will get you on our 50th episode. 
because it's such a monumental episode, 50 is, you know, a huge number, we wanted to give the platform over to our listeners and really make it about what you guys are are for, what what we do this for. So if you are an advocate, we want to hear from you as to why this is such an important cause for you. All right, so on to today's case. This is probably going to be a decently short episode, but again, it's a story that I think is really important and it's an ongoing story. The trial hasn't even been set yet, so uh, we're waiting to hear when all of that will be happening. Again, you know, we live in a COVID world right now, so trials, court cases, all of that stuff is, you know, kind of <laughs> on the back burner, unfortunately. So um, it, it causes issues for so many reasons, which I'm not going to get into right now. But um, we may not hear anything that's going on with this case for a little while, but it is ongoing. It is a current case. So I wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. And if you want to learn more about it, of course, I will put all of the references that I'm using for this episode in the show notes, and you can go ahead and read more about it on your own. All right, so here we go. A New Orleans police officer has been arrested and charged with sexual assault of a minor. Sometime Within the last year, 13-year police veteran Rodney Vickner had picked up a 14 or 15-year-old girl. The reports are contradictory. I can't figure out if she's actually 14 or 15. And of course, because she is a sexual assault survivor, her identity, and she's a minor, her identity is hidden. So we can't really find a lot of information about her but different reports are saying she's either 14 or 15 years old. So Vicnair picked her up at her home after being sexually assaulted by a, another person. This was not by Vicnair. He was the first officer on the scene. Vicnair brought the girl and her mother to a children's hospital in order for the assault survivor to get an examination and a rape kit performed, which is protocol. They called the police. The police came. They escorted her to the hospital to get her physical examination performed and to obtain forensic evidence in that particular rape case. While in the emergency room, Vicnair began his grooming process by showing the girl alleged modeling photos on his phone of a teenage girl who he claimed was his daughter posing in bikinis and lingerie. So literally the day this girl is sexually assaulted by somebody else, the responding officer is immediately taking advantage of her vulnerability because of her age, because of her state of mind, because of what just happened to her. He's preying on somebody who is in such a vulnerable state because he is an authority figure. And of course, a, a teenage girl who has just gone through something so traumatic is going to 
trust a an authority figure like this, a police officer, somebody who is claiming to be helping her. He brings her to the hospital to show her, you know, oh, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you through this. And then he already is beginning this grooming process from the moment he is alone with her. After being released from the hospital after her sexual assault examination, Vicnair allegedly spent the next few months grooming her even more and gaining her trust by sexually harassing and eventually sexually abusing her. He began sending her compliments about her body. He would constantly call her home and come to pick her up, um, claiming, I think, that it was for police business, but um, he had no business even doing that. So when he would meet up with her, he would give her inappropriate hugs and grab her butt. And he would even receive Snapchat photos of her in bikinis and bodysuits. He then told her the images were, quote, hot and that they aroused him. And he began asking her for sex. Now, again, we have to keep in mind that A, he is a police officer and this is a crime victim. B, he started grooming her the day she was sexually assaulted. And see, she's a minor. There is so much wrong with this situation. So much. At one point, he had even asked for her underwear. And on September 23rd of this past year, 2020, Vicnair went to her home, asked her to enter his truck and fondled her chest and inserted his fingers into her vagina while in the police vehicle. So now he is raping her inside the police vehicle, inside the New Orleans Police Department authorized vehicle while he is on duty. These rapes occurred on two separate occasions, and according to the lawsuit, he was allegedly armed with his service weapon both times, and the second rape occurred after the police were made aware of his inappropriate conduct. So they were told about this, clearly did nothing about it at the time, so he continued to perpetrate. That is unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable. And the fact that he had his service weapon on him while he was sexually assaulting this young girl just goes to show that he probably was, again, asserting his authority over her to make her think, yeah, you know what? I should comply with whatever he's saying because he has a weapon. He has the authority to not put my case through. He has the authority to not allow my case to go further in court. He can do so many things. He can do so much damage. And she's an impressionable, vulnerable teen girl. And this man is telling her she's beautiful and, you know, all of these compliments to to get her to trust him. 
which I don't know if she actually did trust him or she was doing it because she was fearful. We, we don't we don't know and we may not know until the trial. Um, but it's really it's neither here nor there because he should not have been doing any of the things that he was doing, period. Period. End of story. None of this should have happened. And the police department should have done something about it prior to that second assault. If they knew about it, he should have either been suspended or fired or watched, <laughs> put on surveillance to make sure that he was not contacting her. I mean, there were so many things that could have been done that they failed to do and therefore failed this this sexual assault survivor who is now being sexually assaulted again by somebody who she is supposed to be able to trust. You're supposed to be able to trust the police, but they use their authority sometimes to put fear in people and make them comply with whatever they want. Case in point. Matters got worse as it turns out that Vic Nair was not a part of any of the special victims units or child welfare units of the New Orleans Police Department. He unfortunately just happened to be the responding officer at the time of the survivor's initial incident. So he had no reason to continue any sort of relationship with this survivor. He was not part of any of the units that would take care of her case. Yes, he was the responding officer. And a lot of times the responding officer, the first officer on the scene, will escort the victim to the hospital to get their examination. And then once at the hospital, the detectives will show up who are part of that actual unit, special victims, and then will interview the victim. However, in this case, he continued a relationship. And again, we don't know yet if he was posing as somebody who was part of the unit to, again, make it not so obvious that he was trying to gain other things, that he had an ulterior motive. We don't know. But the fact is that, again, they knew, the police department knew that he was contacting this girl. He was being inappropriate. He was he had no business contacting this this girl. Yet they still did nothing to hinder him from continuing this behavior against her. Thankfully, he has since been fired from the New Orleans Police Department and has been charged with one count each of sexual battery, indecent behavior with a juvenile, and malfeasance or abusing his position as a public servant. All of these are felonies, and if convicted of all counts, he could serve up to 23 years in prison, which I still don't think is long enough, but hopefully he does get the max sentence when this goes to trial. I really hope he doesn't plead down and get a lesser sentence. Um, and I really hope that he has to register as a sex offender. But again, we don't know any of this stuff yet. The trial has not happened. So once the trial begins, we will obviously stay on top of it and 
report to you guys what is actually going on with these charges. Now, the reason he's not charged with rape is because New Orleans law or Louisiana law, I should say, the whole state, Louisiana law does not acknowledge digital penetration as a form of rape. And if this sounds familiar to you, it's because we discussed this in the Stanford rape case with Chanel Miller and Brock Turner, which ended up actually changing the law in California to state that rape also includes digital penetration, not just penile penetration. So Louisiana, still on the books, does not acknowledge digital penetration as a form of rape. It is only considered a form of sexual assault, hence why he is being charged with sexual battery and not full-blown rape, which would carry a heavier sentence. New Orleans limits the definition of rape to non-consensual sexual intercourse. So... (laughs) Whatever that means, whatever that can be interpreted as. And attorneys have said that, quote, this archaic definition does not reflect rape as a crime against bodily integrity. It reflects a culture that blames survivors for the crimes that are committed against them and finds any excuse to be lenient with rapists, end quote. And I agree. And I'm sure a lot of you out there are agreeing with that as well. To say that... Somebody can only be considered a rape victim if they are penetrated by a penis just says, well, you're not really a victim if you didn't have that happen. If it was just digital, it's not it's not rape. You're not really a victim. We're not going to take this as seriously as we would if it were actually penile penetration. And that's really, really upsetting and sad and disgusting because a victim is a victim regardless. You're taking away their their bodily integrity, as this attorney is saying. You're taking away their control and their consent and their allowance of what happens to their bodies. It doesn't matter what is used, what the instrument is. If something is done to that person sexually without their consent, it should be considered rape, period. So this is another thing that needs to be brought up to lawmakers in the state of Louisiana. Because again, in California, since the Stanford rape case, it changed the laws. They actually sat down and said, you know what? We need to fix this. This is not what stands today. We need to be progressive in our in our thinking. This happens all too often and we need harsher sentences and we need to change these laws. We should be doing that across the country. We should be looking at our rape laws across the country. And I believe I have a, a mini-sode about um, affirmative consent and all of the state's laws regarding consent and uh, and rape. So if you want to listen to that, you should, um, because many, many states don't actually um, define what consent is, and they don't have very harsh rape laws on the books. So 
this is a time to lobby. This is a time to call your lawmakers and discuss with them the reasons you believe that these laws should be changed and these the wording should be changed. In this case, I truly believe that this victim was raped. End of story. It's not just sexual assault. This is rape. But under Louisiana law, unfortunately, he cannot be brought up on rape charges. And it also says to the rapist that we're going to be lenient on you, so it's okay. You can continue doing these things because they're not that serious. And as we get further in, you're going to hear a little bit more about what kind of person Vicnair is and um, how the system has failed others and how it has kind of let Vicnair go up until this point. So not only is Vicnair being brought up on charges criminally, but a lawsuit is also pending against Vicnair and the city of New Orleans. The complaint alleges violations of the survivor's civil rights and explains that sexual misconduct by police officers typically goes unreported. And according to a 2014 Bowling Green State University study, it often targets minor girls. And of course, it goes unreported because who is going to report that a police officer raped them? Who's going to think that people are going to believe them, especially going to the police with this, telling them that a fellow police officer assaulted them? It's hard to imagine that somebody's going to actually take that seriously. And it's really unfortunate, but it's true. And that's partly why it goes unreported. That's probably the number one reason it goes unreported, because they feel like nobody's going to believe them. That's the number one reason why people don't report sexual assaults in the first place. So, of course, when it comes to police officers committing the crimes, nobody's going to say anything. Furthermore, this investigation found that Vic Nair has had a past of being accused of inappropriate behavior. According to Vice News, in 2009, a woman filed a complaint with the department's Public Integrity Bureau claiming Vic Nair allegedly used her license plate number to obtain her personal information. After this investigation, he was found to have acted inappropriately and was suspended for only five days. Not only this, but in 2016, Vic Nair allegedly threatened a homeless woman while responding to her boyfriend's fatal heroin overdose. He allegedly said, quote, I bet if I checked your name, you would have warrants, end quote. The decedent's mother filed a complaint and Vic Nair received a letter of reprimand. So clearly he has a history of using his authority and using his position as a police officer to threaten people, to gain information about people, to put people in fear that he may do something that will hinder their civil rights or potentially place them in a position that they do not belong in. So... This has been going on since at least 2009. So this is, what, 12 years of this? And he just now 
finally got fired from the police department, but he's had a history of this for almost his entire career. He was a 13-year veteran. So 13 years, and in 12 years, he was committing all of these inappropriate acts. Unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Had he not continued with the department since the first inappropriate complaint, this would not have happened to this young girl. He would not have been in this position to take advantage of her. And I would also like to point out that when he was arrested, he had the girl's underwear on him. So I don't know how he's going to try to get out of that one because you you had her underwear. Why would you need her underwear? You're not on the case. You're not part of the unit. You should not have contact with her. Why do you have any sort of piece of evidence on you? That's not even the evidence that she was wearing the day of her initial incident. So he can't even use it as an excuse of, oh, I just had the evidence on me and I forgot to bag it on that day. How are you going to explain your way out of that? So I unfortunately think that he might take a plea deal. Um, and that's going to be really, really unfortunate because he is probably going to get a much lesser sentence. He might not even have to plead guilty to the sexual battery charges. I, I'm very afraid of what's going to happen because we're not going to get justice for this girl or for other victims that he may have perpetrated against. Who knows if this was even his first offense in this capacity? If in 2009 he was already getting information that he shouldn't have about civilians and, and following them around, who knows what else he actually did? I, I We haven't heard of any other... Um, victims coming forward and naming him, but maybe they're just afraid. Uh, it happens all the time, especially with him being a police officer. So we'll have to wait and see what actually happens with this case and with a potential trial, if it even gets there. Um, I also hope that there's not like a settlement that happens with the lawsuit and that it actually goes through and that the... Um, police department and the city of New Orleans actually pays up and 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 shows that they are truly apologetic for what happened to this girl and that they know that they were part of the problem. So that's it for today's episode. Please contact your lawmakers if you are in Louisiana because these laws need to be changed and adjusted. And we need to use our voices and speak up and tell our legislators that this is unacceptable and that we need harsher laws and harsher sentences for people who commit these types of crimes. It is still not taken seriously, which is why in many states these laws have not changed. But if we speak up and we tell everybody that these need to be changed, and we use our voices and we stamp our feet and we 
raise our fists, we will be able to make change. We will, of course, update you as soon as we get any information regarding this case and or this trial. And as always, you can find all of the references used in this episode in the show notes. And I implore you all to continue reading about this case because there was a lot more. (laughs) It was just, it was a lot of extra stuff. So um, I didn't want to necessarily bog everyone down by putting it in the episode, but you can absolutely go ahead and read more about this and get more information. If you or someone you know has been a victim of sexual assault, please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Or you can go to rain.org, which is R-A-I-N-N dot org. And I believe they have a live chat, so you can speak to somebody there. Or again, you can call 1-800-656-4673. You can also contact the crisis text line by texting HOME to 741-741. Or you can go to crisistextline.org. And again, these will also go in the show notes. To find out more about us, you can go to our Bite Size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash Blackbird Advocacy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. And at our bite size, you can also find all of our socials. If you would like to share a story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And currently on our website, blackbirdadvocacy.com, we are having a 20% off sale for the hashtag SAAM collection items. No code is needed. Because it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month all month long through April, you can receive 20% off of any of those collection items, including totes, stickers, uh, the panties now, um, and t-shirts, tank tops, anything that's in that collection. Just put it in your cart and it will automatically get 20% off of those items. Please remember that they are custom, so it will take up to two weeks to get your item. Also, uh, big news, I will be putting a promo out once we record it, but Tom from Pod Jerky and I are starting our own podcast, and it will be called The Podcasters Collective, which we um, run a group on Facebook, and it's for podcasters, creatives, artists, anybody who's in some sort of media or creative industry, and uh, also for listeners. We are creating a podcast to feature other podcasts. So that's going to be coming soon. I believe our first episode should be out sometime in May. Um, But again, I'll be putting out a promo for that once we get that done. And uh, if you want to, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash the podcasters collective and join the group. And you can learn all about all new podcasts, um, different genres, 
uh, if you are a podcaster yourself, you can ask questions, you can throw in your links and let us know who you are and what you're all about. And just bounce ideas off of everybody. It's a really, really great community. And it's not just for podcasters. So anyone out there, feel free to join, feel free to post in the threads and ask questions and get ideas. And just tell us who you are. So with that, stay safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Get vaccinated when you can. And continue to social distance. I hope to be heard by you in a few days with a new episode. Because like I said, I'm going to try to crank them out as quickly and as much as possible through the month of April. And that's it. Thanks. Hey, everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandrust.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky, make it a double.